America has more or less always had a problem with race. And this is something that's really, um, man, it's just like the entire history of the U.S. is just filled with this. And it's one reason why I just find U.S. history so difficult to talk about. Because it's a topic you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to cover. You you gotta look it in the face, and there are some people who have tried to you know whitewash it, make it seem like it wasn't that bad. There are people who talk who have made uh, claims that you know the slaves were singing on the singing songs in the plantations while they while they picked you know cotton or tobacco or whatever their uh, produce that they were work tasked with uh, gathering. And that meant that they were happy. And there, and there are some people who try to, you know, make make bogus claims that um, they were, you know, well taken care of, well fed. Um, excuse me, I just dropped something. And well clothed. And in some ways, that may be true. All right, so they may have been, you know, pretty decently fed. I took a class um, from my undergraduate. It's called. Uh, it was about the, the South before the Civil War. And we actually talked about the diet of slaves. And my professor and us, we sort of, it was a class of like five people, and we sort of went through the numbers and we looked at um, how many calories a slave would have to eat a day to basically stay alive while they were doing all of this work. Um, and I, I can't remember the exact number that we came up with, but I think it was somewhere close to what an average person needs today or a little bit more, maybe three to 4,000 calories. Um, so, you know, maybe they were pretty decently fed, but it's not because they were cared about, right? It, it's, it's, it's because they were an investment to these slaveholders. And ever since 1619, when the first Africans arrived on the beaches of the New World, we've been struggling with this um, back and forth over slavery and just race in general for 400 years, even up until today. This is still something that Americans cannot agree on. And it's something that really really makes me angry um, because there, there are people who say that there is no problem. And there are some who go as far as say, like I mentioned earlier, that there never really was a problem. And I don't see how you can make that, that assertion. I don't see how you can make that claim without then going on to say that you are also a racist. To me, it's just impossible. Like, just be honest, at least, right? Um, by the time the Civil War had ended and the Civil Rights Act had been passed, now, just to be aware, whenever I say the Civil Rights Act, I'm talking about the um, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments. Uh, the 13th Amendment made all, uh, outlawed all slavery. The 14th Amendment made everyone who was born in the U.S. a citizen, which was, you know, at the time, that was directed squarely at slaves who had been born in the U.S. that were not considered citizens. But with the passing of this, of this uh, amendment in the Constitution, 
they're automatically citizen, given citizenship. Um, and then the 15th Amendment extended voting rights to all men at the time, regardless of color. Women would have to wait until the 1920s. But for the time being, it seemed like things were looking up. But we know that that didn't actually happen, right? I mean, it seemed like things looked better, but it turns out whenever a group of people is on top, they very rarely want to let go of their power, right? And they, they very rarely want to relinquish control. And, and the group of people I'm talking about in here are, you know, for the majority of them, were white Southerners who didn't want to lose power. Reconstruction in the South was a plot from the, from the Union, from the North, meant to recreate the South, to sort of like reforge it, to make a better South. And it would have worked too, in my opinion. The whole point was to try to, um, to get African Americans voting as many as possible, right? To, to get African Americans in offices, really to, to kind of like, almost with the, with the force at the, at the end of a gun, to make people equal in the South. And I really think that we, it, it could have gone somewhere. But unfortunately, Reconstruction was shut down only about 15 to 20 years after it began. Um, and that was it. The South was sort of left to its own devices. Now, of course, we know segregation, splitting people up based on race, had been happening for quite some time here in the US. But at the time, they didn't have any real legal basis to do it. They didn't have um, a law to point to so they could do it. At the time, they were just doing this as, well, they just don't like black people, so they're not going to let them sit with white people. Right? I mean, it was, it was not about law. It was about preference at the time. By the time you hit the 1890s and, the, and Plessy versus Ferguson was passed, by the Supreme Court, um, that all changed. Plessy versus Ferguson stated that as long as you know that that race people could be segregated, as long as the facilities were equal, right? So you could have white schools and black schools as long as both schools got the same funding and education. Or, you know, you, you may have seen the pictures, you know, where you can have um, white water fountains and, quote-unquote, colored water fountains. And, and this spiraled into, you know, separating people into different communities, schools, doctors, everything. Everything. It, it, it almost forcibly created a parallel um, culture. And a parallel, like, civilization in the U.S., um, but that even continued on into the 20th century, right? And so, you know, we're very familiar, we've heard the stories, at least, hopefully, of guys like the Tuskegee Airmen, right? These, you know, ace 
pilots from World War II. Um, now, at the time, the U.S. military was also segregated. You had white and black units, and they weren't allowed to really come together, right? But you had, in some cases, like, again, like the Tuskegee Airmen, who were these guys that were just absolutely, I mean, just kicking butt. I mean, really. Um, but still, they weren't really allowed to intermingle with white soldiers. After the war was over, after World War II was over, and American troops were coming home, there's a story that I read in a, a, a book that I have called the Hist A New History of Mississippi. It was written by a professor over at, uh, I believe, Old Miss. Um, and he talked about this, this really heartbreaking story where you had a, a truck full of white and black soldiers driving down a highway in Mississippi. And the white soldiers started grabbing the black soldiers and just throwing them off the truck while the truck was driving. Like while it's going down the highway, they're throwing them off while it's going, while it's moving. And, and, and this kind of thing, this is not an isolated event, right? Um, this wasn't the only time that African-Americans were mistreated. Even after they had fought in the war. And, and it's it sucks so much, too, because you, know, you have these, these men who were fighting. They weren't just fighting Nazis. They weren't just fighting Germans. They were, in, and I'm sure in some of their minds, they were fighting racism itself. What did the Nazis represent? Right? What did the Nazis represent, if anything, but racism and hatred? And, and, and maybe... The thought was that, you know, when we defeat, defeat Hitler, once the Nazis are defeated, maybe that'll be, you know, a symbolic victory against racism as a force, right? Because the Nazis were inherently racist. That didn't happen. They get home from a war. They're just as much heroes as anyone else, but they're treated like less than humans. According to, the, to that book that I have, um, this, this incident, along with several others, made its way up to the White House into the ears of President Harry Truman at the time, who apparently, in reaction to this fiasco, ordered to desegregate the United States military in 1948. And this executive order that he passed would fully integrate white and black units together. No longer would they fight separately. No longer would they sleep or train separately. They were meant to be together, just like any other soldiers. I always like to point this out because, and, and I say this in my classes all the time, that it's no coincidence that the civil rights movement began after World War II. Right? People have had enough. They fought in enough wars, and they're sick of it. And they're sick of it. Only a few years after this, this event, the famous story of Rosa Parks in Montgomery, Alabama, where Jim Crow laws had segregated African Americans in every way and, and way of life, including where they would sit on a freaking bus relegated to the back seats. 
Now, Rosa Parks was a lady who was sitting, you know, she was she was doing what was um, demanded of her. She apparently didn't want to cause any trouble. From what I understand from what I read, she was just sitting in the back as she was told to do, um, not wanting to cause any trouble. But whenever a white passenger couldn't find any room in the front of the bus, the bus driver then told her and three other African-Americans to stand up and give up, surrender their seats to him. And she blatantly refused. And good on her for it. She should have. All right, this is... This is almost like overreach, right? This is, you know, you've taken everything. Or you've, excuse me, not taken, denied everything. You've denied their rights. You've denied them all of these different things. And then what little bit, bit that's left, then you want to deny them that as well. Rosa Parks didn't take that. She was, she was arrested for this. Uh, some people have called her the mother of the civil rights movement. Um, her actions led to the formation of the Montgomery Improvement Association, and which also led to the bus boycotts in Montgomery, Alabama. All of this was led by you know a young Baptist preacher that you've probably all heard of, Martin Luther King Jr. He gained a lot of um, a lot of fame. For his involvement here. And this is really what's going to set him on the path. Trying to forge a new world. We'll talk a little more in depth about MLK and his influences next. In the next uh, discussion that we have. Um, and some of the major events that he managed to participate in. Um, but that's for, for the next one. For now, signing off. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you later.